the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. The word belief basically means this. It's, it's what you have accepted as being valid or what you've accepted as being true. You believe something because you said, I now accept this internally, whether you realize it or not, but I've accepted this as being valid and being true. And so now I'm going to make decisions or build my life on what I believe to be true, what I've accepted to be valid, what I've accepted to be true. And your beliefs matter a lot. And so we're going to talk today about some basics of belief. I'm going to give you eight basic things that you need to understand about beliefs. But I want to challenge you that this message is only a beginner. This is sort of the, the, the beginning process of this eight weeks together. The first thing I want to share with you this weekend in terms of a basic of belief is this. Beliefs are the operating system of your spirit and your soul and your body spirit, soul, and body are being operated at some level by your belief systems. What I mean by that is this. Beliefs are operating below the surface of your life and they are setting your direction. You do things with your body based upon what you believe. You think things in your mind based upon what you believe to be true. There are certain attitudes and actions that are part of your life based upon your belief systems. And your beliefs are the software of your soul. They are running your life far more than you realize. Even subconsciously, your beliefs are creating much of your reality. Let me take you to a story in the Bible that perhaps you are familiar with. If you are familiar with it, let me encourage you to think of it as though you've never heard it before. For some of you, it may be the first time you've been ever reflected on this story, but it's the story of Moses leading the children of Israel to the edge of the promised land, to a place called Kadesh Barnea. They've come out of Egypt as slaves, and now they're going to go into the promised land potentially. And this promised land, the land of Canaan, was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a beautiful land. Phenomenal opportunities awaited them there. But before they enter the land, Moses said, I'm going to establish a a reconnaissance team of 12 guys. I'm going to send them in to check the land out first and to come back and give me a report as to what the land really does look like. And so there are 12 guys that Moses sends in. Now, before I get into the story, you must understand that when these 12 guys go in and return, they end up in two different groups. Ten of them come back with a certain way of thinking regarding Canaan, and two of them the minority report, come back and have a different mindset regarding what the promised land was all about and the potential that was before them. That being said, let me take you to Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse number 26. They, speaking of the spies, came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But, notice the word there, but, there's a big but right there, okay, with one T, by the way, just to make sure you understand it. But the people who lived there are powerful, 
and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there that represented giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb, this would have been one of those who was in the minority report, one of the two, Joshua and Caleb. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. So what was Joshua's perspective? His perspective was we can. His mindset was, his belief was, this is a beautiful land before us. With God's grace, it's implied here, and God's power, we can do this. God's got this. It's going to be okay. We can do this. We can accomplish this. Now notice the next verse, verse 31. Here's another but. But the men who had gone up with him, this would be the other ten, said we can't. So Joshua said, Joshua and Caleb said, we can. The other ten said we can't. So you've got two very distinct groups here based in two sets of beliefs, right? One believes we can, the other believes we can't. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from Nephilim that would have represented the giants. Notice this. We seemed like grasshoppers in whose eyes? Our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So they said we can't do this. In fact, there's all these giants in the land. Oh, it's a beautiful land. A lot of great fruit there. And it would be great to take it. We can't do this because when we measured ourselves against them, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers compared to them. And because we saw ourselves as grasshoppers compared to them, that's the way they saw us. So there's something that's going on dynamically here related to their belief system. And you can see how these bad beliefs begin to limit the lives of these people. And what happened was they ended up not going into the promised land. Moses said, God speaking to Moses and through Moses, you're going to spend the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And uh, all of those who are 20 years and older will die in the wilderness because you did not believe me. You did not have the same kind of faith that Joshua and Caleb did. Joshua and Caleb will go in, but you will not. And so they missed a tremendous opportunity because their belief system was not where it needed to be. Number two, beliefs have a very practical impact on how you behave, choose, relate, work, interpret life, and interact with the world around you. There's a lot of words there, but every one of these are important. Let me take you back through this again. Beliefs have a very practical impact. Practical means it's not theoretical. It's real. It happens in your day-to-day living. Impact is a force or an effect upon you on how you behave. What you believe affects your behavior. It affects the choices you make. It affects the relationships you form or fail to form and how healthy they are. It affects how you go about your work. It affects how you interpret life events around you and how you interact with the world around you. Beliefs matter. Beliefs have impact. They have force and they have effect. Your beliefs are determining your level of fulfillment. Your beliefs are determining your level of productivity. Your beliefs are determining to some degree the dimension of performance in your life. And your beliefs are even affecting how you speak. Number three, beliefs are categorized in four primary ways. Beliefs about God, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about people, and beliefs about the world. 
Let's talk about these four for a moment. Let's talk about God, first of all. Everybody has some beliefs about God. Your beliefs about God matter. That's why you need to have the right beliefs about God. And as a part of this series, I'm going to talk to you about what should you believe about God? What does the Bible tell us about God? What should be our mindset when it comes to God? And that's why Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If you're going to have a relationship with God, a good relationship with God, you have to have the right beliefs about God. And then we're talking about what you believe about yourself. All of us have what we call self-talk. You tell yourself certain things about you. You believe certain things about you. Some of what you believe about you may not even be true about you. In fact, many of the things that you believe about you do not line up with what God says about you. Okay? And so you have to get to the place in your life where you're beginning to believe more that it's more accurate what God says about you than what you even say about you. That God's perspective of you really does matter. And so your beliefs are vital in that regard. There's a young man in the Bible. Let me tell you the story. I'll read you part of it in a moment. Who had to have a change. Or at least Jesus was trying to bring a change in the way he thought about himself. Let me pick up the story in Mark chapter 10. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. Knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted to go to heaven. This man did. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. This is another story, another lesson in and of itself. But to answer your question, Jesus says, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Let's stop there for a moment. So here's this situation where this man who is very wealthy comes to Jesus, but he's still concerned about the eternal destiny of his soul. Where am I going to go when I die? Okay, Am I going to go to heaven or not? So Jesus said, well, how about the commandment thing? You kept all the commandments. The guy said, hey, commandment department, I'm good, okay? And then Jesus, understanding something more about this man, knew that there was something missing in him, and he gave him a commandment that, as far as I can read in the Bible, is the only time Jesus ever gave this commandment to a person. He said, go sell everything and give all that you have to the poor. Now, there were people who did that without being commanded to, but this is the only time that I can find in Scripture where Jesus says specifically to a person, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Why would Jesus make that requirement of the man? Was Jesus upset because the man had money? No, it had nothing to do with the fact that the man had money. Not at all. But Jesus perceived something in this man. He realized that this man's self-worth was based upon his net worth. He realized that his identity was in his possessions. And so Jesus said, sell all that stuff. And then you'll find this treasure in heaven. You'll find that your worth and your identity is not based in anything other than a relationship with me. Let me tell you something, dear one. When you get to the place in your life that it doesn't matter if you have a million dollars in your pocket or nothing in your pocket, you still walk around with your head held high as a child of God. That's an amazing place to be. Okay? Because that's a place where your identity is not found in what you possess. The reason he was holding on to that stuff is because his identity was in it. Your beliefs about other people matter. You know, how you view other people affects how you relate to other people, does it not? 
one of the problems with our world today is the fact that we haven't gotten right how we ought to believe about other people. And when we get right how we believe about other people and we, we base it upon the truth of God's word, everything changes from a heart level. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So it's talking about the fact that we create these judgments in our mind evil judgments toward other people and prejudice that's called prejudging other people before you know them and when you prejudge someone before you know them then what you've done is you've created this barrier in your relationship with them and you've already created animosity before there's an opportunity for there to be connection okay and so Jesus said don't do that don't let that kind of belief system dominate your life and then our belief about the world matters we we have certain mindsets about how the world works. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. I'll come back to this word in a moment. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Number four. The fourth thing today is beliefs can be holy, right, healthy, and wholesome, or obviously the opposite of that, unholy, wrong, unhealthy, and poisoned. Your beliefs are going to fit two primary if you will, large categories. We talked about the four different primary areas we're talking about in those four areas, then they're either going to be holy, right, healthy, and wholesome, or unholy, wrong, unhealthy, and poisoned. Okay? They're going to be based on truth, or they're going to be based on lies. In Acts chapter 14, verse 2, we have an example of this. As the Apostle Paul and Barnabas are going for the first missionary journey to a place called Iconium, and they're going to go there and preach the gospel, and they do so, and many people give their lives to Christ and give, put their faith in Jesus. But the Scripture says in verse number 2 of Acts 14, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles, and notice this, poisoned their minds, put toxins in their minds, or created unhealthy thinking against the brothers. You can let the wrong stuff get in to your brain the wrong stuff get into your mind toxicity of the brain can affect you severely and I will tell you there's a lot of toxicity around us in the media today all you need to do is turn on the television I'm not necessarily even talking about bad programming you just listen to the news and toxicity pours out from the news broadcast are you with me today number five fifth thing beliefs are influenced Influence the key word there by upbringing and early life exposures and experiences. Number six, I believe we are, right? Right beliefs make life better. Wrong beliefs make life harder and make you miserable. Let me give you a quick story that will show you how much better beliefs will make your life better. It's a story of a man by the name of Jehoshaphat in the Bible, Second Chronicles chapter 20. He was a king of the southern kingdom of Judah. It was a little bitty nation, a little bitty army. And one day Jehoshaphat hears that there are three big armies coming against his one little army. And of course it alarms him. He's afraid. What am I going to do? And he calls all the people of Judah together and says, we've got to fast and pray. We need to talk to God. We need God to come on the scene to help us in this situation. And so they fast and pray and God shows up. And, and, and there's a prophet that begins to speak there in that situation. And now notice what the prophet said to them. Second Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says in verse 15. And he said, that's the prophet said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle. The battle is not yours, but God's. 
to Marah, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So let me just boil this down. Basically, the prophet of God, speaking on God's behalf, says, This is what you to do. Don't worry. God says, I got this. All I want you to do is this. I want you to mar all of the army, go out, and I want you to get in position and position yourself and then just stand there. Doesn't sound like a great way to win a battle, does it? Just get in a position and stand. Now, there was one more part of this strategy that God had that I didn't read here. And the other part of the strategy was God said, by the way, as you're heading to the battlefield, get all the singers and put them out in front. And I want them to sing one little song, give thanks to the Lord, His love endures forever. That's all I want you, just one little song, give thanks to the Lord, His love endures forever. So send the singers out, and then all the army come by, and when you get to the right place, everybody just get in your position and stand there. Now this was on one evening, they have to wake up the next morning and do this. Let's go now to the next part of the story. We're looking at verse number 20 now. So they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. What's the next word? Believe. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. What's that word again? Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. What was Jehoshaphat sending them into battle with? What word is repeated twice there? Your beliefs are going to matter in this battle. You're not going to battle with physical stuff. You're going to battle with your belief, okay? So you go and stand. You believe what the prophet told you, and you will be established. You believe in the Lord your God, and you will prosper. That is, you stand upon the promise that God has given to you. Believe it. And they did so. They went in, and they stood their place in faith, in belief, with the right belief in their mind. And their belief led them to a better life. They won the battle. God fought the battle for them and drove all of those enemies away, and they were able to experience an amazing victory. And not only did they have a victory, they got all the plunder of all of those enemies that had come came against them. And their belief actually resulted in them being not only delivered from the situation, but even blessed in the situation. So your beliefs matter. They matter and they lead you to a better life. Number seven, the seventh thing. Wrong beliefs are the primary way that Satan binds and destroys lives. The battleground in your life, the reason why this series is so important is because the biggest battleground in your life happens between your ears, okay? Right? That is the biggest battleground in your life. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it, what? Obedient to Christ. That's the battleground. Last point I'll give you today. Part of spiritual repentance and growth involves challenging and changing your beliefs about God, yourself, others in the world. Challenging, changing. I'm going to take you to... When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he was 30 years of age. And so he, was, he started his earthly ministry by going to the River Jordan. And he was baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water. The Father affirms him as his son in whom he's well pleased. And then 
Jesus goes immediately into the wilderness where he's tempted. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4. He's tempted by the adversary, the devil. Three main temptations that Jesus faces there in Matthew chapter 4. And then he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit and he preaches his first message, okay? And the first message that Jesus preached is found in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17, all right? From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Read his, his message with me. What was it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What was the first word that Jesus used in his first message? What is it? Repent, okay? A lot of us have a bad concept of repentance because we think, oh, repent or you're going to go to hell or something of that nature. And there are applications of that 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 have meaning to it. But I want you to see that it's a much broader term. The actual word repentance, it's a Greek word that's made up of two words. The compound word is metanoia. That's the word, metanoia. And the word metanoia primarily means the changing of your thinking in a way that changes your behavior. Okay. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near you. Okay. I'm ready to do something. I'm near. I want to get into your world. I want to get into your life. But I can't. My, the door in is by you doing something, and that something is to help me out. What is it? Repent. Okay. Now, that is to change your mind. That is to realize that anytime that you and I realize that we're building our lives on a lie, okay, we're building our lives on a lie about God, a lie about how God views us, a lie about how we view other people, a lie about how we view the world around us that is inconsistent with how God views the world. Anytime that we realize that we have bought into a lie and we turn around and say, God, I I now see the truth. I'm turning toward you. That's called repentance, okay? It is the changing of your mind. It is replacing a lie with the truth, all right? It is replacing unrighteousness with righteousness. It is replacing unholiness with holiness. It is replacing turning away from God to turning toward God. That's what repentance is all about, okay? Moving in the direction of God. So the Bible says if we're going to experience all that God has for us, there has to be this repentance thing, and repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is something you do your entire Christian experience, okay? It's key to your growth. Now let's go to the next passage, Luke chapter 15. In the same way, these are the words of Jesus again, in the same way I tell you, there's, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who does what? I love this verse. Listen to it again. Jesus said, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who does what? There's that word again. There's that word again, okay? Now, usually we think about Heaven rejoicing over one sinner that repents. We think about it when people give their lives to Christ. And we talk about, oh, heaven, the angels are rejoicing in heaven because somebody gave their life to Christ. And that's true. They do rejoice. Let me help you to understand this. This changed my perspective of this verse. I'd never seen it before until I was studying this for the series. Do you know that every time you and I, no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, every time you and I come to the point of realizing, whoa, I need to change that in my life so it's consistent with the right beliefs about God, the right beliefs about myself in relationship to God and other people and the world around me. Anytime that you and I recognize that and turn toward God, heaven has a party, okay? 
There's rejoicing in every time you and I repent. It's not just the first time sinner. Anytime you as a sinner today turn away from something that is blocking your relationship with God, heaven goes, awesome, that's amazing, let's have a party. I wasn't sure that guy was ever going to get it, but boy, he finally got it. Hallelujah, let's all celebrate, okay, right? And so what I'm hoping will happen over the next eight weeks, I hope that there'll be an unending party going on in heaven because there are a lot of us doing some repenting and the Bible says, wow, I mean, there's just like an ongoing party in heaven because, well, look at all those people down there at Church of the Redeemer. Man, I've never seen so much repentance in all my life. We just have to have a party 24-7, okay? Right? So there's a rejoicing, there's a joy that comes to the heart of God. See, repentance is not a bad thing. Repentance is a good thing. It's turning from a lie to the truth. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. That word is the word metamorphosis. That's where we get our word metamorphosis from. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect Perhaps will. as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.